0: And Surrey, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! But geez, he's round the goalkeeper. He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was eyewitness without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip.
1: To tame and tame and tame again
2: Break up the music Charge your glass This
1: nation is going to Dance all night Luther Blissett liked a tweet Written by The Athletic's Kieran Tavum In response to an advertisement By Adam Hurry Hope this is a pod of two halves He wrote Well Kieran, via Luther And thanks to Adam Here's my response Pinched from at Disco Mirror I didn't think you were that kind of player this is Football Clichés, the podcast. I'm Caroline Barker, or should that be I, Caroline Barker, speaking in the third person, with me both of the athletic and ready to give 110%. He's got good touch for a big man, Adam Hurry's here. Hello. Is, is it right that I feel slightly nauseous actually even using clichés, although I probably use them all the time?
0: No, I think it's very important that we set out from the outset here that clichés are not a bad thing, they're, they are an inevitable thing. Sometimes they're a great thing, something that, something that we should celebrate, but... Um, they serve a purpose and uh, as this series goes on, I hope everyone will understand that they serve a purpose because they are the lubricant for footballing conversation and uh, we are ready to lubricate.
1: See, I can see your lips moving, but I'm just waiting and watching for every one of the cliches that you dropped in there and trying to count them on my own. You can play at home, maybe there's a drinking game in it. Uh, also with us, the team that he follows are the epitome of a football cliche, Charlie Eccleshire, Mr Tottenham when it comes to the Athletic.
2: Absolutely. Spursy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my articles, they promise a lot and then just sort of tail off at the bottom. You're like, I wasn't saying there? you was
1: <laughs> No, I know,
2: but that's, uh, it's, it's probably fair. I, I was thinking as well, and with the cliches, you, you do often hear like, you know, it's a cliche, but for a reason. You know there's a very good reason it's you know people are quite defensive of clichés. I think a lot of they?
0: clichés move into post cliché territory. You cannot say it's been a game of two halves. I mean no one would say that anymore, but when you get to things like we're taking each game as it comes, it's always prefaced with I know it's a cliché, yeah. but. So even footballers themselves who we we kind of like to deride as being a bit detached from reality, they're quite aware of what they're saying.
1: It actually makes you feel like they know what they're saying, doesn't it? That's the point of it. Anyway, how's it going to work then over the next however long we're given?
0: So we're going to look at every possible aspect of football cliches. It's going to be about language. It's going to be about words and phrases and mannerisms and just things that footballers and everyone connected with football does out of sheer habit, unthinkingly. And hopefully it will get everyone kind of realising what it is that they do when they engage with football that they'd never really think about. And that's what football cliches is all about.
1: Right. Stroke, so stroke anyway. Again, no, Kieran, this will as be a I game. Say. Yeah, as I say, <laughs> too true. Uh, this will be a game, stroke, a pod of three parts. So, today it's all about the ultimate football cliche that we're currently living in. This is the football transfer window cliche pod. Right, here comes the science bit. Do you want to do it, or shall I? Yeah, well ducks. Part one of every show will be the history lesson. So the 20th, 20th, the 2020 January transfer window was thrown open to the traditional merry-go-round on Wednesday, the 1st of January for the Premier League and Football League. It's the same across France, Germany and China, but Italy and Spain are... Had to wait a day. The window officially opens on January the 3rd in Portugal, while the Russian Premier League have to wait until January the 22nd. The window for the Premier League closes at 11 pm on Friday, the 31st of January 2020, or should that be slams shut? Interestingly, very interesting, in China, the January transfer window closes on February the 27th. February the 27th, the January transfer window closes.
0: I think we're always, we're always quite, it's almost like a sombre tone when we talk about the transfer window being quiet, as if it's like a terrible thing that clubs aren't spending money. And then the other extreme is that you get, say, Sky Sports News kind of glorifying the huge expenditure of clubs. So somewhere in the middle, there has to be a kind of sweet spot. But I think generally speaking, January is the time to kind of right the wrongs that clubs made in the summer when they were supposed to have kind of coherent recruitment strategies as we're now supposed to call it so January by its very different definition the window is 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 full of panic it's full of kind of trying to put out fires
2: yeah Gary Neville I think James Moore uh, quoted this on our view from the Lane Tottenham podcast I think Gary Neville said it's a transfer window for clubs that you know their recruitment policy has essentially failed um
1: is that a new transfer coming in yeah that <laughs> might be yeah uh, who is it is it gary Ready that to will be we?
2: neville being like you did not have the right to uh Use
0: my name. Sorry of course about that. The, there is nothing funnier in football than a phone ringing during a press conference or podcast so yeah. also, thanks for introducing that it's
1: also one of the cliches in the football transfer window isn't it radio reporters in particular are allowed to take their phones into the studio and allow them to ring or ping oh nice. during the live broadcast just to show that anything could be happening at any moment even if it's just your mum is that right yeah
0: that is the only reason my phone would ever ring. I think so. Uh, um, yeah. That will definitely be a wrong number. And, I'm, I'm glad you're a pro. That, that made you look really pro. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what, what other? I set that up. So the, the phone ringing, deliberate or otherwise, is, is typical of a transfer window. What else typifies a January transfer window?
0: Well, actually, um, we've had a. First for this January transfer window, which is the first ever physio-based transfer saga. Hey, um, this is Celtic physio Tim Williamson has rejected Manchester United after a three-month saga. I've never heard of a physio saga, and he's essentially—it's essentially—he's taken one look at the state of Manchester United and thought, "No, I don't really want to be a part of it." So, um, whether they're going to go back in for him like a proper transfer saga, and they end up being some sort of bidding war, Or we'll offer an exchange, <laughs> of some, <sort. laughs> some poor, some poor yeah. guy from medical stuff being yeah. forced to go up to. Party head exactly. in, in, in return so yeah, sure. what
2: well, did the arsenal club uh, doctor or one of the senior medicals mm. have isn't he moving to liverpool is that one of the Lewins? No, I think, right. it's, a, I think it's someone else. But um, oh, so he's quite high up. In the yeah, 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 yeah. Is he so taking a new job thing. or
1: just just moving to Liverpool? I think he
2: has taken a job with right. the club. Yeah, right. like he hasn't just told them I fancy a, just a change of pace. But yeah, also, Adam, what you touched on there of the, um, the the glorifying the expenditure wasn't there one year where they really overdid it, as if it was a kind of comic relief. You know, we, as if we've raised this much money yeah. when it was just like this is how much yeah, it's, it's been
0: spent. The transfer totalizer, yeah. which is capitalised on Sky as if it's a thing, and and. Um, yeah, I feel like it's quite bad to kind of to take the mick out of it. But um, it's, this is what the transfer window is all about. People are obsessed with, with the expenditure of money. And, and on, in a local sense, fans of clubs just want their teams to sign new players, whether they need them or not, because it's become like Christmas. If you don't get something for Christmas, then mm. it's just been a rubbish Christmas. Yeah. And it, and it's essentially the same principle. We are all very entitled and very spoiled. Um, but I think... The, I guess the only real transfer saga of of the January window so far has been quite an unexpected one. It's been Harry and Meghan. Um, <laughs> and this is genuinely fascinating. We're seeing the the reporting and the style of reporting you'd normally see with transfers being transferred to real life. And so you've seen them, we've seen them locked in talks. Um, they've had showdown talks. Um, I, I expect we're probably going to see Nicholas Witchell outside the gates of Buckingham Palace, kind of surrounded by royalists behind him while someone shoves a Union Jack dildo in his ear. <laughs> I was to say. Um,
1: I was about to mention the Queen then, and in that sentence, I don't think I want those two things together. So carry on. No, no <laughs>
0: but yeah, but she's essentially the director of football in this yeah. scenario. And and um, there was one headline when it said that they'd been frozen out, mm. uh, as if they'd been sort of sent to train with the reserves or like the minor royals or something like that. And... Um, so it's it's just been a really curious story. I mean the whole thing is baffling and ridiculous anyway, but the way it's been reported. And but the thing about transfer reporting is it's the special the speciality it has is it pads out a really mundane thing, which is the transaction of a transfer and pads it out from the very very start. So when a club's looking at a player it's all about keeping tabs and and radars and red alerts. And that's before they even do anything administratively, and then you get then you get the offer that's made, and that's tabled, and then it's dismissed as derisory, and then only then do they actually get round to negotiating properly, and then you've got all the weird stuff about image rights, and then eventually he's unveiled, and then he does his little keepy-ups, and then he's paraded, and the whole point of transfer reporting is that it essentially strings out this this quite mundane process into something that keeps people's attention over a course of months and it takes it from a story that isn't happening to a story that has happened and it's it's genuinely fascinating the way that we all pad this stuff out.
2: And I thought, Adam, in your article you touched upon advanced talks mm. and uh, Kazawa, the left-back that Arsenal have been interested in, that went to the advanced talk stage. Well, that's, that's quite a critical stage. Yeah, yeah. really critical. But yeah. that does suddenly make you think, OK, this is serious now. Yeah, this I think advanced talk.
0: If, if a move breaks down in the advanced talk stage then there only two things could have happened. It's either hit a, hit a stumbling block which is wages mm. or a snag which can be pretty much anything else like work permits or something like that. But yeah, you can have low-level talks, you can be locked in talks uh, but if you get to advanced talks talks you're you're pretty much close to getting it over the line
2: you- I, I always think back so i was just like i know nostalgia is a big part of, uh, <laughs> of what we do and, and i and i my mind i was going, i think it was the first ever transfer window i think it was 2003 and birmingham signed dugary and a few others stephen clements came in and they then stayed up and it was mm. like and it was like this is how you do the transfer window they, they genuinely won that transfer window and then set up and i think that's been like the gold standard that teams have tried to copy and it's, it's really hard to do
1: and there's that, that piece by Jack Pittbrook saying, actually, it just doesn't work, does it? You bring in that Most star Most of the time, striker, no, exactly. It just doesn't work.
2: Almost, almost never.
1: You've gone early on the language, because that's what's coming up next. Uh, do you know your war chest from your transfer kitty? Up next, then, the language of the transfer window. And why isn't it a door? And you're listening to football cliches. Caroline Barker, Charlie Eccleshire, and a walking cliché, Adam <laughs> Hurry. Every week, we'll focus on another cliché, straight from the footballing hand, but... Do either of you still have footballing handbooks, by the way?
0: I guess, what, is that the Rothmans?
1: Yeah, used to have a whole collection. Or the non-league directory is quite a good read now.
2: I used to get the Rothmans one each year. They probably are somewhere gathering dust. Do you
0: need to have a Rothmans every year? Or is it—is it just a collector's thing? Do you get, like, what's the point?
2: I think they they get updated.
0: All right. And, you know, for I mean, yeah, c- completion's <laughs> sake. Yeah, they, they just change the year. <laughs> on, on, Cheers, on the mate. Book. Thank you. Um, <laughs> nice new cover. I just use soccer base. I mean, I, yeah. Just yeah, digital. whatever.
1: One game at a time. And it's the transfer window this week. And language tis a beautiful thing. Mm. An obvious, you might call it stupid question. Why window and not door, Adam?
0: Well, I suppose on a really basic level, it's just a window of time. So that explains that. But um, I refer you to the overlord of, of, of football, Richard Keyes, <laughs> who's tweeted no fewer than five times about this since 2014. And he, he often reminds his uh, followers that the window doesn't just gently close, it's slams shut. And uh, he's very keen to point that out. And it, it, I think it's one of those phrases that's kind of moving into the po- post-cliché kind of space it's moving to kind of the hall of fame of cliches with
2: keys in the wind with the window shut isn't he um saying that that is that it shouldn't that we shouldn't use that i can't remember is he promoting it or is he saying you'll hear a lot about the window being slammed shut
0: i think either way i don't think richie key should be should be dictating how we talk about football i think that's oh i think he should
2: (laughs) (laughs) he's credited himself recently um, When Jose Mourinho in a press conference talks about VAR saying it should be VR Mm. because it's it's no assistant, well, Kesey's been banging that drum all season, (laughs) which he then pointed out that it should not be VAR, and he exclusively calls it VR. So... You know, he's actually more powerful than perhaps we think.
1: The language, then, of the football transfer window. We've dropped a few in. I've seen what you've done, sprinkled them mm. mercilessly through the podcast already. But do you have a top five?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, we'll do a three and I'll, I'll present them as a quiz. Okay. If you like. oh. so Charlie, you're on the spot. Good, because uh, I don't
1: like quizzes, Charlie. And mm. and,
0: and the only clue I'm going to give you here is they all start with the letter H. Okay. Um so when a club tells another club that they absolutely cannot sign their player what is it known in tabloid terms? A hands-off warning? It's a hands-off warning one out of one If the buying club um, have been sort of forced too high to bid for a player they kind of publicly declare that they won't be held to ransom Correct <laughs> This is great we should, We're definitely doing this every week For three out of three oh, a striker crazy. on his debut for his new club scores Mm. And what has he done in terms of his move? Uh, well, what has what is, what is what, what that goal done in terms of his transfer fee? I would say paid a huge chunk. A yes! oh, huge chunk, <laughs> yes. yeah. So the Got H there in
2: the
1: end. Uh, so I, I really thought
0: hijack was going to be in there. I, I
1: was about to say hijacking. Hijack
0: also, um, yeah. Uh, I think fundamentally, I mean, as as this entry proves, it, the transfer language is is full of really odd phrases, really kind of antiquated phrases um the classic being war chest which by by its original definition was a genuine chest in which medieval armies put their money in the in the event that they needed to spend it on on weapons and that's and that's kind of you can see how that metaphor has moved into the transfer market where we are not in a war situation thank god but
1: you don't hear it anywhere else either do you you know i'm I'm getting my war chest together to go down to Sainsbury's. Other supermarkets are available. I don't know what other context you would hear. Yeah, war chest exactly. In. I
0: mean, it's, it's a bit like sort of finishing with a plum. These are, football is just full of words that we just don't use in the rest of our lives. But um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's like a inclement weather. I would. You would never
2: hear that word inclement yeah. in any other context, mm. or indeed clement weather. So uh,
0: inclement. but even more so, you you wouldn't have heard that word anywhere else. So you basically learned it from that very it's strange. All I know. And, yeah. And, and football works in that in that Completely. way as well. So, but the The transfer market is full of really sort of military style words as if it as if signing players is that much of a big deal because you can club uh, players appear player on clubs radars which puts them on red alert and then managers are eager for reinforcements and then they sort of have to go back to their former clubs and raid them and it's it's, it's all just very violent and, and kind of strategic and military. And uh, should we really be taking transfers that seriously? And as it turns out, yes. we, do, we do take transfers that seriously. Yes, taxes. we should.
1: Yes. We absolutely should. Uh, the softer side of that is the unveiling. When was the last time, so, and I would like them to do that, mm. uh, someone sat at the top table at a press conference with a little bit of rope, and a lovely plush red curtain, just giving it a little pull, and there is your Star Striker.
0: Like a statue. Yes. Yeah. You know, social media announcements of transfers have moved into this kind of postmodern phase where it's all sort of laughing at ourselves. Um, maybe we are due a player genuinely be, being unveiled. I, I'm also concerned about the state, the kind of uncertain state that players find in themselves in called transfer limbo, mm. which I feel is a bit like the international wilderness this kind of what is transfer limbo transfer limbo in my head is a bit like that betting advert with um, ray winston that huge head in the middle of nowhere that's what i think transfer limbo looks like just having to talk to ray winston in um, in outer space Forever. Um, <laughs> we also have the concept of silly money silly money i don't know if there's a threshold for silly money silly money is probably t- traditionally anything over 20 million and that's when anything over 20 million starts ringing alarm bells when you're spending it on a on a player maybe someone hasn't heard of. Still, I mean, 20 million seems like a quaint sum now. But, but is
1: it is silly money for a defender, whereas it wouldn't be silly money for a striker? So.
0: Well, I think silly money exists at any level. It's just the threshold rises pretty much the further you go down the pitch. So goalkeepers kind of unfairly, the threshold is quite low, but then goalkeepers like Edison, who seems like a snip at about 36 million. Um, Do you think there's always been that silly money as well? Like, obviously now it's a a different
2: quantity because Mm. of inflation and the way football's gone crazy. But would we in the 90s have been, you know, 750k for an unproven fullback? Would that have been silly money then?
0: Well, I think... Actually, the 90s is interesting here, as always, because um, sort of mid-90s was the threshold by which trans- actual transfer fees kind of surpassed fantasy football fees. So right, you look yeah. at fantasy football fees now, you can probably get Rashford, say, for about 10 million, which is not very much money in the grand scheme of things. So I think it was about 1994 where transfer fees actually started to go beyond fantasy football fees. So Klinsman would have been about 4 million
1: mm. in
0: fantasy football back then. So I think that was quite a sad moment when actual fantasy football was considered not an adequate fantasy for real football. Yeah. So I, d- I don't understand why fantasy football doesn't have budget of like a billion now because surely we should be moving moving with the times. So one for the fantasy Premier League to consider.
1: Do we have an issue with any of these cliches when it comes to football transfer? Or do they make us feel at home? We know where we are. We're in the January transfer window because of. I love them. And, uh, and I would assume that anyone
0: who's involved in the reporting of football transfers love them. Um, one thing I really, really like is the, is the sort of subcategory that is dubbing so players that are linked to clubs uh, are dubbed all sorts of things. The new Maradona, which has its own Wikipedia page and, and a list of players who, who were once dubbed the new Maradona, which also includes um, six foot four inch Wigan striker Franco De Santo, <laughs> um, who <laughs> doesn't share any characteristics with Maradona other than being Argentine. There was the Maradona of the Carpathians, wasn't
2: there? That, that's beautiful. That's lovely. Georgie Hadjie. Yeah.
0: Um, there was the Maradona of the Bosphorus. Do you know who that might have been? Uh, Emre. Yes, and uh, do you remember a guy called Christian Levis, uh, a mid two thousands non league curiosity? No, he was the Maradona of Basingstoke, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I just I'd love to have that nickname. And, uh, and what?
1: None of that comes from scoring dubious goals. The Maradona of Basingstoke. He I, um, I, was purely off yeah. <laughs> field activity. Yes, off field.
0: No, it's really flimsy. It's just because he was Argentinian and he lived in Basingstoke. That's 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 all that. Is required, and um, we've also had the Macedonian Stephen Gerrard, um, former Ipswich Town midfielder Velice Sumilovski, the Nestor of the Pyramids, which is West Brom's <laughs> Ahmed Hagazi. the Nestor wow. of the Pyramids. Because that's, that's brilliant. You've taken a really, really well-known landmark and a kind of cult footballer from the nineties. I think that might be the perfect. That one.
2: suggests that, that he really does play like Nesta, because it's like that's so specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know.
0: Um, and I think my all-time favourite, just in terms of just someone. Somewhere put this together. We never know who these dubbies are. By the way, um, Musa Moraga was linked with a move to the Premier League in 2017, and he was dubbed as the Marleyan Jamie Vardy. <laughs>
1: if you have one, use the hashtag football cliches. Or actually, if you'd like to challenge, maybe Charlie or Adam to get it into a bit of your copy mm. at some stage. If there is one, the Maradona of that you'd like to, or the Nestor of, use the hashtag football cliches. Right, this is the part where we talk to someone who lives and breathes the cliché. According to his Wikipedia, he's a television presenter, journalist and Watford FC supporter. In that order. Now he is the athletic Adam Leventhal. Tell us about your love of transfer deadline days, the January transfer window and all the clichés around it.
3: I'm not sure if it's a love. I suppose it's a, it's a, it's a fascination. It's an, it's an obligation Uh, as well, to sort of immerse yourself in madness for for 30 days. Obviously, you know, I've worked in different forms. I'm currently, you know, with The Athletic and uh, trying to sort of take a step back and have a little bit more of a... um, a broader view on transfers rather than sort of reporting the the tiny little nitty gritty bits at every stage and tweeting it all out, which I think is quite, um, quite refreshing. Um, but I've also, you know, worked for Sky Sports News, presenting from the studio in the warm. I've been out on the road uh, as well in freezing cold uh, temperatures for, you know, 24 hours it felt like for you know an entire day um from the beginning until the end so I, i've seen it from from all different angles and it is just a, it's just a, a ridiculous time of the year which makes
0: people uh, reporters journalists chairman agents do weird things really what is it like behind the scenes in the sky sports studio on transfer deadline day because we, we kind of taken for granted just how much a kind of cultural cornerstone it's become on transfer deadline day, if there ever could be such a thing. What is it like in in the studio? Is is it an exciting day? Yeah, it's it, to be honest. There's there's two days
3: which stand out every year, and those are uh, transfer deadline days in you know in January in in August, and that's when the the newsroom really comes to life. And I think often I feel, and you know some of my colleagues feel as well, that it would be amazing if it was like that um every day it may well lead to you know many people needing a significant amount of time off work if it was like that every day but it is you know one of the most sort of engaging energetic dynamic days of the year and yeah look it gets it gets a little bit of a, a bad rep sometimes and people didn't like the yellow and all that sort of stuff they don't like the ties they don't like the freneticism and things like that but it but it is an event you know people watch television to be entertained and I think it's sort of it, you know, it does that for people.
0: Do you think there's kind of an aspect of it? I mean, this feels like a strange accusation to throw at any kind of broadcaster. But do, do you think they kind of glorify and encourage transfer expenditure? Because by by definition, the January the January window is is quite a panic buying kind of scenario, and and they you seem to. You remember the transfer totalizer, and you've got sort of Brian Swanson, who's who talks even more slowly as the as the transfer fee increases? So, take for example, he'll talk about someone signing someone for four hundred and twenty-five million pounds. Uh, is 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 that something that you think that they do, or is just transfer expenditure what fans expect? I think it is one of the most um,
3: talked about and fascinating elements of any transfer. But to be to be fair. Like that Homer Simpson uh, meme where he backs into a hedge away <laughs> from uh, from whoever he was talking to. I think it disappeared because I think it was becoming a little bit too focused on the, the amounts that were being sort of splashed about. And I think that it it now concentrates on the number of signings that are made because it was maybe becoming a little bit glorified as as you've as you've highlighted the big thing that has sort of been added to the whole transfer tapestry I suppose is the the element of add-ons and whether you include that in the fee or do you ignore them or you know it fans want the deal sometimes to be really really expensive oh look we've spent 30 million pounds on a striker but then in equal regard They'll say "Oh, no, that's wise business. We've only spent two million, especially if he goes and then you know does really, really well so it's it's a very difficult one to pick, but it is important, I suppose, you know for every um news organization to to make sure that those figures are accurate because um people do judge business on how much money is being spent more and more, don't they
2: Adam, are there any moments for you that really stick out? any moments where you were terrified or excited on air, particularly?"
3: There is one particular occasion that does stick out because it was very, very cold indeed. And it was a couple of uh, January transfer windows ago. Uh, I was at Watford's training ground, predictably, and I got a sort of a, a sense, a message through that uh, there was going to be one final signing. And I had absolutely no idea who this guy was, but it was uh, Adelberto Peñaranda. You all know him. No, you don't. Still don't know him. Um, but he was described to me at that point as the, um, the Venezuelan wonder kid, Adalberto Penuranda. But the thing was, it was so cold that it was, one, very, very difficult to actually work out how to say his name. But physically saying Adalberto Penuranda when your mouth... Doesn't really follow what you want to say. It's so difficult, and I had to say it so many times and pretend I had any clue about who this guy was and giving his backstory. Um, so it was it was quite entertaining, but I think I just ended up calling him a couple on a couple of occasions. So uh, yeah, that's one that one that does stick out. It wasn't particularly great because he's turned out to be. Um, well, not much of a player. hasn't been given much of a chance at Watford. But uh, yeah, that's, that shows you, I suppose, it gives you an insight into, right, we're going to sign someone. Let's make this interesting. But then who knows? It may well end up that he goes out on loan the next day. And I think that, that proved to be the case with him.
1: Adam Leventhal, thank you for coming on.
3: No problem. Good luck.
1: The transfer window cliches podcast has nearly slammed shut. Before we go, people have got in touch using, and I'm going to hide behind the sofa when I say this, because I don't like to say hashtag out loud, but using the hashtag football cliches, Adam.
0: Yes, they did. We asked people to suggest transfers that just sounded perfect. These aren't transfers that have happened or might even potentially happen or even reported to happen, but these are transfers that just sound right because that, to me, is is the purest transfer of all. Uh, Joe Krishnan says, uh, Stephen and Zonzi to West Ham, which is something I had to Google just to check whether he actually had played for West (laughs) Ham. That, that to me, is just ideal. Um, Indiana Tom says, Jesse Lingard to Everton. Ooh. Everton is kind of it. Really, is kind of the the waste ground for former Manchester United players. I think, sort of Darren Gibson and
1: uh, and that like. Uh, Are you suggesting know, when you've got no hope, you go to Everton? Uh, oh, well, yeah. Sorry. What's, but, what's yes. your Twitter address if people want to get in touch, particularly <laughs> well, Everton fans? We
0: will move on from that. Um, uh, Game of Thrones suggests we can all agree that Javier Hernandez to MLS is perfect. Oh, yes. Mm. And uh, yeah. So, but otherwise, it's just if in any <laughs> doubt, sell so your striker to Turkey. I think is. Yeah, I always did Sami Nasri ever go to Turkey? Because in my head, that
2: was just that was one of those deals that they've had that date from the beginning. Mm. And I, I don't know if it has yet happened,
0: but it, it must at it some point. It wasn't on the 1830s when I went. Right, okay. 10 games on loan at Galatasaray. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That has Very to much. do at some point.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're done to hashtag football cliches. Until next time, please tell your friends to subscribe. Consider your come and get me plea triggered. Sorry, not sorry.
0: I'm delighted that you're finally indoctrinated in football clichés.
1: I'm running away!